Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to H2O, um, talkative bunch this morning. Uh, if, if you don't know me, my name is Joe, I'm one of the pastors here, and if you're new or visiting, uh, we'd just like to say welcome. We're really happy that you are here today. We are continuing our series this summer in the book of Genesis, and the reason we picked this book to go through in our first summer as a church, which is wild. We're coming up on our first year as a church plant, which is really exciting. Um, I got a, got a fist in the back, so that's great. Thank you, Lisa. Um, and uh, yeah, this, this August, we're going to be celebrating one year as a church. And we felt like going through this book this summer, it would, it would help us as a church understand our origin, where we came from. And, and knowing your past, you get to know who you are and your future. And for us as Christians, we believe this is the origin story of all humanity. And by knowing this, we get to learn about the God who made us, who loves us, and has a plan for our lives. And so that's kind of a theme for our summer. And today, we're, we're jumping into the passage today talking about um, the story of Noah and the flood. And the last few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Noah and the flood. And it should inspire us to, to know the God we serve better and better and to know his plans and promises that are being fulfilled each and every day. And so before we jump into the passage today, uh, I, I preached a couple weeks ago, and after I finished preaching, I realized I missed something. I forgot to highlight on the birth of our son, Elijah. And so I wanted just to kind of share that a little bit. Uh, I don't know why I forgot last time, but yeah, we had a, a, we had a boy. And so uh, Elijah, that it, yeah, he has multiple first names. Uh, we're weird like that. And, and uh, he, but uh, he's, it's been wonderful uh, just being a home with two kids uh, and seeing all the things that God teaches you through that. And it's, it's fun. People ask us all the time, you know, how are you doing? Um, how are you managing two kids? Are you sleeping? Uh, to which I respond to that question, um, I've been sleeping great. Um, but not so much my wife, uh, at least she's been sleeping much better lately. But one thing, and it also I think it's, it's, it's cool that I get to share this, one thing that I think is awesome when you become a parent, which you should become a parent, it's really good, it's really awesome, and there's some great experiences you can learn through becoming a parent and in your walk with Christ. But one thing uh, that I feel like God has been showing me is that you become much more sentimental and reflective, you really begin to think about your legacy and what's next in your life. And for me as a Christian, I take these moments to remember all the good things that God has done in our lives. And in our family and in our church, and it just shows us God's faithfulness. And that theme really fits into what we're talking about today. When we're talking about Noah and the ark, this, this passage today is about the flood subsiding and the waters coming down. And we get to see in this story a reflective nature of, of Noah and, and, and how God remembered him and, and the peace that God brings even through the difficulties of the storm. And this story is all about renewal and hope. And our hope today is that you would experience that. That even in the justice of God, there is hope. Even in the difficulties and the storms of life, there is hope. And so we hope you would be encouraged as we learn about this and as we're going through this flood narrative. Now, before we jump into the passage today, there's a couple things that I want to touch on related to the flood story. Perhaps you've been thinking about this the last few weeks going through this story. 
But oftentimes when you engage with skeptics or people that may not, not believe in Jesus or maybe even be, say they're Christians but are skeptical about this story, they'll ask the question, is this true? Can we trust that this is an authentic part of the Bible? Is this story to be taken literally or figuratively? Often I've had friends that ask me, doesn't science dispute this story? And at times the story can be mocked in our modern world as unscientific, unrealistic, and mythical. And so what, what do we do with this? And I think we have some time this morning to kind of dissect some of these things. Now, I'm going to set your expectations. I'm not going to, this isn't a silver bullet where you're going to walk away from here saying like, holy crap, the flood happened. Man, this is it, you know? Maybe you will, I don't know. But I think it's, it's important to just share just a couple things that I think highlight why we believe what we believe and why we have confidence as Christians in this story and in this passage. And so the first thing I want to say is this, uh, which you don't have to bring that up now, Lisa, but uh, the first thing I want to say is this. <laughs> Good job being on the ball, you know, but <laughs> uh, the first thing I do want to say is this, uh, and I said this week one, the Bible is not a science textbook, okay? The Bible is a historical and literary work. A science textbook might break down the dimensions and weight of the ark, all the animals on the ark, the buoyancy of the ark, how, how, how you know, the waters could fill the entire earth, and etc. And, and the Bible isn't concerned with those things. And any attempt to try to explain that really is just conjecture. It's just a guessing game. And there's some things that we could say. There's some things we could say, I think it's like this. But to, to be firm and say, this is exactly how it happened, um, is, is really hard to do because the Bible isn't as concerned about those things. Also, what we can say about this, too, that this was a miraculous event. And just like we look at the other miraculous events that have happened in Scripture where God parts the Red Sea or Jesus feeds the 5,000 or, or when Jesus is raised from the dead, these are miraculous events that can't be studied in a lab these are supernatural things where the God of the Bible that we believe has done all these things intervened and was able to do this. And so we believe as Christians, however God did this, he was able to do it. He was not limited in his power and ability to bring judgment on the earth and save Noah and his family and the animals. And so why we have confidence in this, moving away from that into just as a, from a Christian perspective, why we can have confidence in this text, and Lisa, you can bring the slide up now. Uh, number one, the authority of the Bible. As Christians, we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. That the Bible was put together by the Holy Spirit using the words of men who recorded things they saw and experienced. And unlike other religious faiths that have one prophet who is one voice and has one ear to God, the Bible has over 60 authors spanning the period of a few thousand years. And there's multiple authors, but what's amazing is the consistent theme, the consistent character of our God. And this could have only happened through the Holy Spirit guiding and forming the tapestry of Scripture and leading the process. And this is the story, when we look at the Bible, this is the story of God revealing himself to us. And so we trust in this story because we trust the Bible. If you need more affirmation, Jesus affirmed this story as well. Historically, you cannot deny in the existence of Jesus that he walked the earth. 
Jesus' impact is powerful. And Jesus coming as the Son of God in the flesh affirms this story, along with other writers in the New Testament. In um, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says in Luke 17, 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. In um, another part of the New Testament, in the letters of Peter, there, there are some scholars that believe Peter is talking about Jesus between the time he died and rose again, went to visit those that lived in the time of Noah and that he ministered to them. Now, scholars dispute whether this is what the Apostle Peter is saying, but there is some hints of something like this taking place, that Jesus went to speak and share about his message of the gospel to those that were, the the scripture says, in prison during the time of Noah. Next thing is this, that this story affirms what we know about the God of the Bible. We we see his character. We we see his heart for, for justice and his desire for people to turn from their sins and turn to him. Also, we we see this is a consistent message in the gospel of God bringing salvation. When you spend time with somebody, you know who they are and you know how they respond. Uh, You know, there's times where I'm in different situations throughout my day, and I'll think to myself, I bet my wife Sammy would respond like this. And I'll go home, and I'll share with her about my day, and I'll say, hey, this happened. Would you have responded like this? And most of the time, I'm, she's like, yeah, I would, have, I would have done that exact thing. And, and I know that because I, I love my wife. We, we spend time together, and I know her. And the more you spend time with the God of the Bible, the more you know his character, and you know his power, and that he's able to do these things. Another final point, too, related to all of this, uh, but, but an extra biblical perspective, is, is the other flood accounts in the ancient world. Most people don't know this, but nearly every ancient culture has a flood story. The Jewish people, which is what we're reading today, the Mesopotamians, the Greeks, the Chinese, even the Native Americans have a flood story. Now, not all ancient cultures, but a lot. Enough to say, man, Something must have taken place. If all these different cultures living around the same time observed something and were sharing stories about something like this happen, you would have to say, man, some event took place like this. Now, you can't lean on this, but I think it's an important thing to mention. It's an important thing to highlight. And it shows that, man, this event, at least from my perspective, this event took place. And related to this, science and extra-biblical accounts alone cannot prove or disprove this event took place. It's not like World War II where we have first-hand accounts, we have videos, and we have all these different things. We really don't have that. We have this story. And so because of that, any attempt to try to find you know, fossil records, or, or there's, there's always stories if you look on YouTube of people searching out for the ark, which is, is really just a waste of time because you're not going to find a structure that's over 5,000 years old, regardless of what it is. We didn't even have a language, a written language, over 5,000 years ago. And so it's very difficult to do that. 
And so the important thing is to not lose the forest for the trees in these conversations. That's okay to look for those things. It's important to look for those extra-biblical things that might give some support or evidence for these things to happen. But we have the Bible. We have God's Word. We believe in the power of our God. And so we need to look at the bigger picture of the story and what God is trying to show us here, that he is bringing justice for the evils of man, that he's redeeming humanity, and that he saves Noah and his family. So when we look at this story, we should look at the gospel. We should see the power of the God that we serve. And that should inspire us. That should change our hearts, and that should change the hearts of those that we are ministering to and reaching out to. Because even if you could find, you know, definitive evidence of here's the exact ark and here's where it is, I don't know if that would change people's hearts. But what I do know changes people's hearts is the gospel, is when God performs a miracle within them by changing their hearts of stone and turning people to Jesus. That is a great miracle. And that, that theme should, should be in our minds as we're entering into today's passage. And so moving along from there into today's passage in Genesis chapter 8, our hope today is that you'll see that, man, God never forgets you. He's faithful to fulfill his promises, and he has a plan to bring hope and peace to those who follow him. And that, that should be our hope as we're looking at the whole Bible, but specifically this passage today. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to flip open to Genesis 8, Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can just follow along on the screen. And so what we're going to do, we're going to read this passage. We're going to kind of dissect it and understand it. And then there will be some application that we'll talk through as we're reading through the text. And so starting in verse 1, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed, and the rains from heaven were restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, in the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continue to abate until the tenth month, and the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So we'll pause there. So, so to recap, again, the, the floods came because of, of sin being on the earth, and, and God saying, I, we've got to do something about it. And so God saved Noah and his family and some animals. And so after the rains, the waters began to disperse among the earth, And this passage says that God remembered Noah. And this is important because it emphasizes God's redemptive faithfulness. And the point of this isn't that God forgot, but it's that God acted on behalf of Noah once more, that he moved towards him, that he acted again. He turned towards Noah with attentive action. This highlights the character of God. In the face of everything being wiped out on the earth, God brings them out, providing a way for them to live. His promises from earlier in the book of Genesis are kept. Also, this passage highlights how God is in control over all creation. 
that he controls the storm and the waters. In the other flood accounts that I mentioned earlier that are in the ancient world, the gods are not active in creation. At, very, at the very least, they're spectators. But we serve a God that is active. The book of Hebrews says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In the New Testament, Jesus would calm, the, when he calmed the storm, his disciples were scared and would say, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is what our God does. He's in control of the universe. And so this passage shares as the waters trickle away from the ark and rest on the mountains of Ararat. It's important to know that this isn't talking about a specific mountain. Like I mentioned before, there's been expositions done to find the ark, and people, there is a specific mountain in Turkey called Ararat, and people have for many, many years looked for the ark there. All unsuccessful. And what biblical scholars say is that this isn't talking about a specific mountain, but more of a region of mountains. That the early listeners or the early audience of this passage would have just been aware of, oh, it was in that region specifically. And so so that's something just to be aware of as we're going through this passage, that there's so much we can learn here. But I, I think one way that as I was praying about this passage and thinking about how can this apply to our lives is knowing this, number one, that God has not forgotten us. God has not forgotten us. Maybe some of us have been in a place where we feel like God has forgotten or abandoned you. But Scripture points the reality that he has not. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the confidence that we can have in the gospel. We have an advocate that is with us in every area, every place of our lives. You know, it's been interesting as a parent with our our daughter, Abigail, who's a toddler now. um, There's times where if if me and my wife have to go somewhere together, uh, whether it's on a date or if we have to just do something and we need someone to watch Abigail, whether it's grandparents or or a friend, um, uh, and anyone who's watched my daughter would attest to this, she just freaks out. Like, she goes crazy, she cries, she gets really upset. Um, And I think... And it's starting to get a little easier, but I think, especially in the times where it was really hard, I think internally she feels, my parents are leaving me forever. They're never coming back. It's like this just this fear there. And maybe it's because we went on dates and they were a little too long sometimes, and maybe she thinks that uh, we won't come back in time. I don't know. Uh, but but in, in those moments, we'll, we'll try to comfort her and say, hey, it's okay. We're going to be right back. Don't, don't worry. And, and again, in those moments, it's starting to get a little bit easier for her. It's interesting, though, on the flip side of that, when we return home, she is just so excited. And she runs to us, and she's just so excited to see us. And that joy she has of just feeling, man, they're still here. They haven't abandoned me. It's just such a special, special thing. That's why you guys should have kids. It's really special. It's really cool. (laughs) Uh, I I think uh, this this highlights uh, that God is a good father. He never abandons us. Even when he feels absent at times, he is here with you. He was with Noah and his family, 
And even though we don't fully understand the circumstances that we're going through, He has not abandoned you. He is with you. And maybe you've tried to go through the storms of life on your own and come up short. Or maybe you've been mad at God for something that happened in your life. And what I would encourage you to do if we were meeting up for coffee and we were talking about this, I would encourage you to know this, that God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. And what I would encourage you to do is turn to him. And and maybe there's been sin in your life. You know, the Bible talks about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And and oftentimes through that, we can feel a distance from God in that space. And maybe the first thing we would have to do is just confessing our sins and saying, God, forgive me. But it's important to know that God has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He didn't forget Noah and his family, and he hasn't forgotten us. And again, maybe it might take a walk that you might have to go on or a time, extra time with the Lord just, just to say, Lord, I know you haven't forgotten me. And asking him to speak to you and to comfort you, just like he did with Noah here. And so flipping back, jumping back into the passage, that's the first thing we can know, that, that God hasn't forgotten us. And so moving on, we'll read the next section and we'll talk about some application from there. And so in verse 6 of chapter 8, it says this, At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and set forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her, sorry, into the ark. And he waited another seven days again. He set forth the dove out from the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening. And behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and set forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. So we'll pause there. So Noah opens the ark and sends out, in this section, he sends out two birds. First, he sends out a raven, and the raven just flies around and doesn't return to the ark. Then then he sends out a dove three times. First, he sends it out, and the dove has no place to put its feet, and so it comes right back. Then after a week or so, he sends out the dove again, and it brings back an olive leaf. And if you've ever heard the expression, extending an olive branch, this is actually where that, that, that expression comes from. And it's a sign of peace, a sign of peace that the floods have ended, and this is the sign of that. And then finally, he sends out the dove a final time, and it doesn't return, showing that the waters have come down and that the dove has moved on. And at this point, they're able to exit the ark. It's safe. And so reviewing this passage, again, as as I was praying about application for us, what we can learn from this part of Scripture, I I think that that piece really stood out to me. A reminder that God offers us peace. 
So God has not forgotten us, and he offers us peace. He offers us peace through the pain and suffering in our lives. And it does not mean we won't go through life, we'll go through life without trials, but there is a peace that we can experience as Christians. This should cause us to remember the goodness of God. John 14, 27 says, Peace, Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now again, this peace does not mean that we won't go through pain and trials, but this peace gives us confidence to know that God is with us, that we have an advocate. Um, and as we go through the storms of life, we know that he is with us and he can give us peace. You know, we have a, a friend of ours that's a part of our H2O network, and over this last year, he's another pastor. He got very, very sick. Um, so sick to the point of um, he ended up in the hospital, and it, it didn't look good, and it didn't look like he was going to make it. It was that bad. And recently, I was talking to a friend of mine about this who, who also knows this person, and my friend said, you know, Joe, during the midst of that, when the doctors and other people were saying there is no hope, I just felt like as I was praying for our friend, this peace that it was going to be okay. He's like, I just couldn't describe it. I just felt like there was this peace here that God was going to show himself to us by working in our friend. And, and, and I, talking to many people that we know, that know this person, they, they said the same thing. Yeah, I couldn't, there, was, there was this peace there. And amazingly, uh, our friend took a turn, and, and he is doing very well. He left the hospital, and he is, he is, he's on the road to recovery. But that is the peace that we can experience as Christians. Now, related to that, uh, my wife and I have a, a friend who uh, supports us in our mission here, and she prays for us often here in Athens. And unfortunately, she lost her husband in the last year. And she's a wonderful woman of the Lord. And she talked about just the pain that she's been going through and how hard it's been uh, just, just being without her husband, who she loved very much. But she also mentioned, she said, you know, Joe, I can't describe this, but I feel this peace. Knowing that my husband, who he, he was a, a strong follower of Jesus, is, is in a better place, but also this comfort from the Holy Spirit that I, that I know God is with me in the darkest of my life, and she still say this is the darkest moment of her life, that, that God is still with her. This is the peace that we can experience as Christians. And frankly, if you don't know Jesus, and this is all there is, unfortunately, you do not have this peace. Like Noah and his family who received peace by entering into God's salvation, by entering the ark. The only way we can experience this peace is if we enter into Jesus' ark of salvation. By entering into him, we can experience this peace. And all you have to say is, I want you. I want in. You don't have to clean up your life before coming to Christ. You can come as you are. And God wants to offer you eternal peace. He wants to take your sin and give you his righteousness and offer a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is the hope we have. This is what no experience, and this is what we can experience too as Christians, th this peace. 
moving along from there, as we jump back into the passage, we, we, we've seen that God hasn't forgotten us. We've seen that there's a peace that God has to offer. And in our final section of Scripture, there's another point that we can learn today. And so starting in verse 13, it says this. In the 601st year, in the first month, in the day of the month, the waters were dried from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month and the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing on, that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. So they leave the ark. The ground is dry, and God called Noah to fill the earth. This is similar to God's command uh, in Genesis chapter 1 to uh, the first people, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. This is a sign and a symbol of renewal, that God has restarted things. That he's starting something new. And this is what we see in this passage and in Scripture, and this is what we can experience in our lives. And our final application today is this, that God is making all things new. He hasn't forgotten you. He offers you peace, and he's making all things new. In this case, he, he restarted with Noah and his family, but he can offer newness of life in you. Sometimes the greatest opportunities for change come after the greatest disasters. A few years, a few years ago, uh, me and my wife, we were visiting Chicago. Chicago is a beautiful city. Uh, it, there's a lot to do there. And we were visiting this museum that was talking about the great Chicago fire of the 1800s. And if you're not familiar, uh, there was this fire uh, that basically burned down the whole city and started with, they think, one house potentially. And, and the whole city burned down because the infrastructure of the city was made of wood. And so most houses, most buildings, all the streets were all made of wood. And so when this fire started, they just could not stop it. And and literally, it wiped out most of the city. Over 100,000 people were homeless. It was an utter disaster. It was, if you remember Katrina, it was the Katrina of its day. But after the smoke cleared, something happened. The nation at that time rallied around the city of Chicago, and many people came to help. And Chicago began to rebuild a stronger city, a better city. In fact, most historians say that although the fire in Chicago was tragic, if not for that fire, Chicago would not be the city that it is today. In fact, most historians say that Chicago is better because of that. Because they were able to rebuild the city from the ground up and make it stronger and better than ever. Jesus is able to give us newness of life. 
He's able to give us a fresh start. By turning to him, we, he can purify you and make you new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Some of the people I know um, who've, who've come to know Jesus, it was through some of the darkest times in their life and some of the, the, the greatest shames in their life. And they've turned to Christ and said, Lord, make me new. Help me. It's been amazing seeing their story, how, how God has used those moments to help people be made new and to, to change their old way and turn to Jesus. And this change happens from the inside out, that Christ changes your heart. You don't need to clean the outside of your life first before you turn to Christ. All you need to do is just turn to him. And he offers you this hope, this newness of life, that he takes on your sin, the punishment the shame, the wrath of God that we deserve. And, and he took that on the cross and he gives you his perfect life. He gives you his righteousness that we could be called children of God. Maybe you're weary and frustrated and you continue to fall into the old habits that you've always fallen into, that you know turn you away from God, that, that cause you to sin. And this story is a reminder that God has a plan for you. God has hope for you, your life. He offers you a chance to enter into the ark, enter into salvation, and turn to him. This story today is a story of, of how God reminds us of the gospel, pointing to the ultimate salvation that Jesus has to offer. And we pray that you would turn to him. Remember that he has not forgotten you. He has peace for you, and he wants to make you new. And so as we close today and as we enter into worship, we hope you remember that and turn to him. And so with that, as the band comes forward, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this story and thank you for so many other stories throughout your word that change us, transforms us. And Lord, I, I pray for all of us here that we would experience the reality of this story. That we would know, Lord, that, that you offer us hope, that you haven't forgotten us, you haven't abandoned us, that there's a peace that we can have in you, and that you can make us new. And so, Lord, just speak to our hearts this day, and we pray as we worship, we would glorify you and all the things you have done, you are doing, and you will do. Thank you, Jesus. Pray all this in your name. Amen.